Hey, 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 hey! Welcome to Bonus Girl. I am Rob, and with me is... Shelby Des. Oh, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, right weaving right out of the out of the gates here. Uh, dude, I'm still in the Sentai phase. I'm just oh, look at that. Anyway. We watch Sentai every Saturday. So Shelby's on like like she's like she drank a bunch of coffee, but instead of coffee it's Sentai. Yeah. So hopped up on Sentai. Mm-hmm. It's true. Unlike Les, he's hopped up on hentai. Whoa. <laughs> You know, all every time you guys say Sentai, it's like the, it's like it, I'm always just like, what are they saying? Oh, right, right, Sentai, not Japanese anime pornography. Yeah. Shelby and I get like, together. You guys get together. <laughs> we watch hours of hentai together, like friends do. It's normal. It's normal, right? Well, yeah. Trash Power Hour was not. Yeah, that's that pretty far close. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, that's that's what I mean. It's like the natural evolution from trash <laughs> to to just watching straight up pornography. Yeah. Yeah. With your friends. Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, clearly, Stacey, you watch porn with your friends all the time, right? That's the only way it can be enjoyed, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, boy. The, the, the deadening silence from Sagey is, is <laughs> yeah. the answer. This has been an episode of Boner Barrel. Oh, I, I, we're making jokes, and I said you definitely watch porn with all of your friends, right? Normal. <laughs> Not that I can remember. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, so here we so are once chain. again, <laughs> back, back united, uh, a, a group of friends who play video games and, uh, how to start this episode off. I say, I'll start off with some pickups. I got, I grabbed, this is gathered. I got a couple of neato burrito games over the last couple of weeks. I got perfect dark complete in box for Game Boy Color. Game That's Boy right. Color. There's a Game Boy Color Perfect Dark game that I somehow didn't know existed. Is it like the same game? Is it a port or is it like a let's, a... let's read the back of the box left and find out. <clears throat> Perfect Dark only for Game Boy Color, not compatible with other Game Boy systems. Discover why they call her perfect. Joanna Dark has almost finished her training, but she isn't a Carrington Institute agent just yet. She oh, has only goodness. one test left. <laughs> But this time, her mission is for real. In it, she will uncover a far-reaching conspiracy that will introduce her to the shadowy Data Dying Corporation and hint at things to come. From the creators of Goldeneye, to the N64, comes Rare's masterpiece, Perfect Dark. Bullet points. Lots of ways to play. Snipe from long range. Commandeer an enemy vehicle. Even shoot from a first-person view. Multiplayer Whoa. game. Link up and get blown away. With eight Two-player games and a total of 35 maps. Huge bosses. From helicopters to giant cyborg spiders. Go up against some of the most intimidating bosses ever to appear on Game Boy. Amazing voice and sound. Hear more digitized voices and sound effects in Perfect Dark than in any other handheld game. So, like, this isn't my game for the topic, but I'm pretty sure that just sold you guys on this game anyways. And if that wasn't enough, includes Rumble feature. Yeah. Oh, shit. Rumble. Oh, okay. So yeah. it has like a rumble in rumble the cartridge. Oh, okay. That's yeah. right. Like Pokemon Pinball. It's, it's kind of annoying because it doesn't fit in my uh, Devil Fane cases for my Game Boys games in. So it's annoying. I also have Monster Rancher Battle Card GB also mm. for Game Boy. I used to love Monster Rancher. Yeah, remember Monster Rancher? Monsters Rule. 
Yeah. Monster <laughs> Rancher. I also got a... Okay, so yesterday I got a game that I actually really wanted for a while. But it's always kind of expensive on eBay. So I was like, eh, someday. But I found it locally for a much cheaper price. And at Digimon World Dusk, it's... um a uh, companion title to Digimon World Dawn, so it's kind of a Pokemon-ish kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's like a pretty crazy Digimon game that's supposedly a really fun. I have lots of people who told me how awesome it is. What's it for? DS. DS. I like, I've, I'm pretty sure I played Digimon World, but that was for PlayStation, like PlayStation 1 back yeah, in the day. Yeah, I had that game too. That game's fucking pain in the ass. That game is hard. It's a rogue yeah, game, right? it's fucking I super hard. One okay. sec. I got a bunch of games too. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so I was... Uh, um, now, don't get me wrong, a lot, a lot of them are, are garbage games, but there's... I love them. <laughs> like, I got... There's some Crash Racing games for PlayStation 2. Awesome. Um, cool. Shrek 2. Oh, which, Shrek. Yeah, and I got a whole bunch of, like... There's another... Uh, I got this one here called Valkyrie Profile 2 by Square for PS2. Nice. Have you ever yeah, heard of that? Cool. Yeah, it's sequel to Half Your Profile. No, I, I figured it, as uh, much. You'll probably like I I can't say I haven't played the second one, but you'd probably like it because it's all yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, it looks kinda cool. But um the the crown jewel is basically I got Tony Hawk's Underground, which is a nice. fucking amazing game, and I'm so oh, excited yeah. to play it one of these days. You know, I liked uh Tony Hawk for the PlayStation one. Play Spider Man in one of them. Yeah, but have you played Underground? No, definitely not. I stopped playing. Oh man, because like Underground's Whatever. different. Because like it's, it's this like super like ridiculous. It's like a story mode Tony Hawk game, and oh, like really? you, yeah, yeah. So like you go around, you like talk to people, and they're like, "Dude, let's break into this bullpen, and then we gotta grind on the horn of the bull five times, dude." And like it's just, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, you gotta uh, do your ollies and your kickflips and your, <laughs> your seven twenty uh, Spin twirl. If Your um, if this game doesn't come with left voiceovers, then I don't want to play it. <laughs> we'll do a re-release. <laughs> hey, dude, hey, dude, let's get some grinding. I want to hear more examples of the game now. <laughs> I want to play it, and then I'll I'll maybe like uh, call Choose out the most that, ridiculous man. stuff. We I really should. Yeah, I've been wanting you to should. actually revisit Underground for God. How old is it? It's an old game, but I'll but yeah, I basically just got it. All these games are free because I can't sit some guy and he's like, "You like games? Do you want these?" Sure. Damn, nice. Shelby got hand me down games too. He did. A friend was like, "Hey, you want these?" and gave it to me. A lot of them don't have cases though, so they're like partnered like inside the case. There's like you open them, there's like three discs floating around. It's very, very. Yeah, (laughs) it's. uh, I gotta find cases for them because it's very like it it chips away at your soul, you know. I have DVD (laughs) cases. You could put them in. They're empty. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. I got a bunch of like. He gave me a bunch of like physical copies of PC games, and it's just like, whoa, PC makes physical copies of games. How weird. You know, I have no attachment or nostalgia to PC games. As a matter of fact, I don't particularly like them in general. But their uh, their old boxes are pretty badass. Oh, big time! Yeah, I have. Um, I got Oblivion for the collector's edition in here for PC, and it's it's quite the, quite the box. Yeah. Nice.
man, you're fucking just killing it with with this. This is great. Oh, I also grabbed uh, Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City. They're really cheap, and although I don't typically want them, I know that someone wants to do an episode on Batman Arkham Asylum at some point, so... Uh, I have one of them. I have Arkham Knight. Oh, nice. They cost, like, five bucks, so... Yeah, I'm I'm not sure the order they're in, though. Arkham Asylum's first. Yeah, and then City. Oh, okay. And then I think it was Origins and then Knight after that. Oh, damn, so I have the last one? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Damn. Left, I have them for 360. Right? Left. I have a 360? Yeah. No, I said if you want to borrow them for 360, I have them. Like, if you don't want to oh. buy them, but like they're cheap, like Rob said. So. Oh, ha- have you played them already? Uh, I played Asylum and City. Oh, okay. I did yeah. not know that. She's ahead of the curve already. Yeah, I guess so. Paige, <laughs> you ever played a Batman game besides the one from last time? I played a little bit of Asylum, I, I think. Nice. I, I was liking it, and then I got stuck at some point, and then I stopped. And then I probably <laughs> deleted it because it was too heavy, I mean, too large. Friction. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I have a problem with, with uh, like, newer games. I uh, They're harder for me to pick up. Like, older games, if I stop playing, then on the next day, I, I don't think too much about it. Uh, but with modern games, they you know you have to load them and you have to wait, and then a little bit more complicated for my um, older <laughs> brain or whatever. I don't know. Hey, I had one other pickup I want to mention. Uh, if Monster Rancher wasn't enough nostalgia for you, I got Metabots Infinity Metabots. for GameCube. I don't know I Metabots. I... <gasps> Look, oh, no. there's been some trouble at, lately at the popular amusement park, Toru Toru Land. It seems that some of the Riverview kids have gone missing. Riverview? This, yep. <laughs> Riverview. It is rumored that this, mis- <laughs> this meta mischief is due to the Twisted Rubber Robo Gang. <laughs> so, Stay away from those guys. Don't fuck with the Rubber Robo Gang. They'll bounce all around you. What's like soon. meta mischief? Like, we're so mischievous. Like, it's so meta how mischievous we are. Like, I don't... I don't... No, it's meta with a D, not meta. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so I mean, that explains it, right? We're just making up fucking words, <laughs> I guess. Because they're yeah. meta bots. So, I mean, yeah, I assume they made up the meta. Do they come from metals? I actually can't remember. Mm. I think so. They're these little, like, yeah, chippy things. They're robots, Left. That's all you need to know, okay? They're fighting robots. They're fighting. They're super they're fighting giant, robots. So they're not as cool, but they're still pretty cool. Super fighting. Oh shit! Sorry, because it's been so long. We did since we did two weeks between each episode. Other things happened. I also got a. Did I talk about my badass 2DS XL I bought? I think so, actually. On the I show with did the I? Pokemon button. Like I know I told you, but did I tell the world? I, f- I feel like it was a lot longer than two weeks ago that you got that. So you probably I don't did think mention I mentioned it. it. But I, I, I mean, one. by all means, like mention Thank it again. Thank you. It has a button <laughs> on it that does nothing. <laughs> It's it's have you have you guys seen this sweet 2ds XL? It came out last November. It's the poke. It looks like it's red and white and has a button that does nothing in the front. The front. Here's my quick re- quick review of the 2ds XL. I don't care that the 3D is gone. It's lighter. I like that. The screen is much nicer and bigger. Uh, everything else feels good. However, there's cons. Stylus is way too small, uh, and the sound is not nearly as good as the 3ds. However, unlike my headphones or something, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
However, unlike my Medora's Mass 3D SX, uh, 3D SXL that I've had for years, this battery lasts way longer and doesn't die overnight. So, That's uh, so I'm loving it. Love, it's great. It's just Pokemans. You guys know I love me some Pokemans. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's my update for pickups. But I really want to talk about, because of the segue from earlier, roguelikes. What do you guys... So Dead Cells is like, people are loving Dead Cells, man. Dead Cells. You got to play Dead Cells, dude. And mm. it looks cool, but I don't like roguelikes. And you mentioned Digimon World, which which was a roguelike. There's lots of games. Uh, Chocobo's Dungeon are roguelikes. Or, yeah, uh... Even even uh, the rhythm game, uh, uh, dancing of the fucking game remember the name. I can't. It's shooting a blank here. Crypto Necro. Dancer. There we are. Thank you very much. Not That's kind that. of roguelikey too, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. How do you guys feel about these games? Oh well, I guess real quick. So like, help me define a roguelike because I, I'm just doing this from memory. But basically, every time you go to a new area, everything shuffles around. And if you die, you lose all your shit. Usually, I mean, games will have different different ways of handling that stuff, but generally they're considered quite hardcore. And you you're trying to and you, and usually the setting doesn't change too much. You're usually like one super tower, and you have to make your way to the top. So you're always going. Ooh, excuse me. You're always going through like multiple floors and shit. Does that sound mm-hmm. right to people? Yeah, like like to to an extent, like you know, to my knowledge, role like games are just very dungeon crawler esque games where you know every time you do, you know, a dungeon, it's very very monotonous type of gameplay, but there's like slight variations, sort of the thing. Whole... I don't know if you need to be going up a tower, like you said. That that well, seems no, no, specific. No, that was, that's th- those are a lot of those games, but yeah, you're basically traveling through dungeons. But the biggest point is that they're randomly generated and that you lose your shit yeah. when you die. And that, so you have to manage your items and try to get in and get out and kind of know when to leave without, like, do you push off one more floor and get better shit and find the boss? Or, because it's usually checkpoints, right? Mm-hmm. Like, after a few floors, you fight a boss and that, then you can go on from that floor up. But, you know, once you die, you lose crap. They're very punishing games. A Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, I'm pretty sure are, are roguelikes as well, actually. Or at least a form of them. I don't know. But, my, yeah, so do you guys like these types of games? Yes, I do. All right. Luff is a big fan of the roguelike. Tell me in five words or less why you like roguelike games. (laughs) Five words or less. (laughs) I enjoy dungeon crawling. Nice. That was really well done, actually. Now you can expand if you want. Uh, I don't know. Like I've, I, I think I mentioned before that one thing I started to realize is how much I like games where you have a hub and then you just kind of go out and go back and go out and go back and roguelike games. Basically, do that. Um, so it's it's just this sort of medium of, of games that I've uh, really come to enjoy, especially as an adult for some reason. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of of this style. If you were a app, you'd be Grinder <laughs> because you like the grinding games. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, I don't like them because they're there's all that grinding and they're hard. And I also find that the uh, environments aren't usually okay here's the thing maybe this is like just from because of you know a little bit of artsiness art art snob or something because you're a snob yeah (laughs) yeah i don't like pre-generated uh fucking shuffling your shit around i know how those things are made and there's i like a crafted intentional design for my stages i don't want a bunch of grids that shuffle together to make you your stage i i don't like it i like intentional designed like for example skyrim 
they pretty much handcraft that entire game instead of procedurally generating a bunch of that crap. Good for them. I like that. I don't like your your oh here's we're just gonna shuffle up these twenty tiles and I'll walk through. It's boring because you have to you have to make exceptions because like you have to make cuts because if you want things to fit together then they have to fit in a grid. I hate it. I feel like the dungeons in Skyrim were probably built out of like a set of pieces that they made too, though. Just because handcrafting all of that bullshit would have taken an extremely long time. I remember reading something like they were like really meticulous with the way they did it. Like, I, I, yeah, I know that they, they didn't model like obviously yeah. they had pieces they worked with, but they weren't like done by the computer. They made yeah, yeah. Um, but it probably helped them a lot to have like pre like made like room chunks or whatever that they could just put in and like customize after the fact because then every oh sure in the dungeons there were like rooms that were all pretty samey and then you'd have like the centerpiece dungeon room where it was just like oh hey this is so they definitely cool. were to have like chunks they use but like yeah. there's, there's a difference between intentional design and mm-hmm. computer kind of handles it for you mm-hmm. because if you're not if you're not filling in the gaps like 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 you said like they might an artist maybe even has a like a way of doing it might be to have a pre-generated part at first and then you go through like an artist would then go through and start mm-hmm. or an artist or level designer, whoever they'll go through and they'll start adding and changing things and making tweaks. Like that's, that's completely fine. Yeah. But if you just left it at the pre-generation, like you have to make sure these pieces fit perfectly and, and you, you definitely have to make some, some cuts, I think to artistic yeah. quality. That's my opinion. Maybe people, and a lot of people don't even give a shit, <laughs> whatever. I, I just do. This is just me. Also, I hate losing progress. That drives me nuts. If I'm if I just grinded and got like a bunch of levels and some cool gear, and I fuck up and die, oh man, it kills me. Well, it kills it my is, character. man, you gotta learn to let go. I don't. I just I don't soul, have to play man. those games. <laughs> I I've been like trying to play through uh, my Diablo two lately, like on hardcore mode, and yeah. I keep fucking dying, and it's pissing me off. I just recently <laughs> died against. The Act 3 boss. I made it to Act 4 boss previously, and he killed me. And now this time I only made it to Act 3, so I didn't even make it as far as I did last time. So I got to start all over again, because that's what a hardcore mode's about. And you like it, right? You like I do. It's great again? fun. Like I really, really do enjoy it. And uh, permadeaths are fun. Mm-hmm. Ew. Do you like... Uh... Oh, man, permadeath. That's a whole other topic. I don't know <laughs> I don't want to get into that now, oh, though. Boy. You like roguelikes there, Shubbo? Uh I haven't played a whole lot of them, but from what I have played, I do, I do like them. I just like the awesome. the 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 prospect of a different experience every time you play. I guess that's fair. That makes any sense. It's kind of it like does. a reason why you would like um, like Left for Dead, let's say, or like Vermintide, is because the enemies aren't always in the same spot. You know, they're and then sometimes like you get to a spot and there's like holy shit there's a bunch of zombies other times there's like nobody there kind of thing so it makes like those certain parts of, of the of that map uh different or uh, feel different um, i'm okay with I dynamic think. enemy changes and stuff i mean that that's yeah. cool to me but it's just the environment i don't know yeah yeah don't, don't worry you bro i get you oh. <laughs> thanks bro <laughs> <laughs> say do you like roguelikes I'm not sure about the, about what that term means. It's a pretty oldish term. I from I don't know what the first rogue. Let's look it up. The Game Boy. Rogue-like. Access roguelike games. Well, wasn't the first one just called rogue, and that's why they're all called roguelike? Isn't probably. Isn't <laughs> I would assume. 
but let's let's address Wikipedia. This is this is from Wikipedia. Roguelike is a subgenre of role-playing games characterized by dungeon crawl through procedurally generated levels, turn-based gameplay, tile-based graphics, and permanent death of the player character. Most roguelikes are based on a high fantasy narrative, reflecting their influence from tabletop role-playing games such as D&D. Let's check the history. Origin. Here you go. The origin of the term roguelike came from Usenet news groups around 1993, as this was the principal channel the players of roguelike games of that period were using to discuss these games, as well as uh, what the developers used to announce new releases and even distribute the game's source code in some cases. Within several individual groups for each game, it was suggested that with the rising popularity of Rogue, Pack, Moria, and Angband, all which shared common elements that the groups be consolidated under an umbrella uh, term to facilitate cross-game discussion. Debate among users of these game of these groups ensured to try to find an, an encapsulating term that described the common elements, starting with rec.games.dungeon asterisk. But after three weeks of discussion, rec.games.roguelike, based on rogue being the oldest of these type of games, was picked as the least of all available evil. <laughs> By the time it was suggested that a group was created to discuss the development of these games in 1998, the roguelike term was already established within the community. So there we go. Sounds like a very elite club of people. It did. I mean, I I never knew what a Usenet was back in that day. So (laughs) yeah. So yeah, it came from Rogue. I've never played Rogue, obviously, but Mm. I think the very first one I ever played was uh, Chocobo's Dungeon for Chocobo's Dungeon Two, since we didn't get one over here for the um, PlayStation One. And I remember Mm. being thrown off by like, what is going on? Why is my chocobo dying? <laughs> Fun game, though. I mean, uh, so, so Sage, you, you don't think you've ever played a, a particularly roguelike game where it's like mostly a dungeon crawler and every dungeon is just different every time you do it kind of thing? I don't think I've ever played a game like that, no. Well, good for you, man. Yeah. You're brutal. All right, well, let's, hey, Left, make a note of that in the future. That could be another game we tackle yeah, for the show. Maybe, maybe. I remember the latest one that I played was uh, Enter the Gungeon when I was home. Yeah. Last time I was home anyway because my brother was playing it. So I was like, give me that. So I still hands and started playing it. Enter That's the Gungeon. That's not entirely how it went down, but Enter the Gungeon. Yeah. I think it's I think it's uh, Devolved Digital. Well, didn't, didn't you guys talk about the Binding of Isaac at some point? Yeah, but I've never played it. I've never played it either. Okay. Because apparently that's roguelike. Oh, I played Spelunky. Spelunky, I played. Spelunky. Yeah. There you go. I played that. That is roguelike game. So. Oh, I see. There we go. I like that. (laughs) Hey. Might be an off off offline. I don't think Spelunky's is it the same as most roguelikes, or it's a side scroller, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a platformer, but it's listed here. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. It says. That one it's kind of an outlier, though. It's no, no. It says it helped to establish the use of roguelike elements in other genres, oh, such okay. like Binding of Isaac and Spelunky. Oh, it's like it, <laughs> so. Those it has roguelike are... elements. Yeah, yeah, it's like a subgenre or something like that. It says rogue, yeah, roguelike like or rogue <laughs> yeah, rogue rogue light. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what the fuck is yeah. rogue light? Because I hear that all the time. Rogue light so, is like an easier version of rogue like like uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like yeah, it's 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 a game right. that just has rogue like elements in it, but it's not a rogue like game. It's a, yeah, it's a game it's like a rogue, yeah, <laughs> but, but lighter. Oh god! 
yeah. A little I, later on their amount of rogue. <laughs> I had a few more a few more things a few more things to say before topics and stuff. I hope you guys do too. I just want to note that I finished Octopath Traveler, or at least as much as I'm going to play. I got my sweet credits. I would give the game either no damage or quarter damage. Hard to Good say. stuff. Damn. I didn't analyze it. But definitely people should play it. It's super fun. Um, as a matter of fact, I lent my copy to Jay Chan, who <laughs> is surprisingly really loving it. So What do you mean surprisingly? I don't know. It's, it's kind of old school, and she's like oh. four, so... Yeah, but it's a newer game. It's kind of old school, and she's like twelve, so yeah. She has she's making all of her party pretty boys, though, so I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. As long as it has cute characters, I think Jordan. Yeah, she's probably in. Yeah. Uh, the two other things I want to mention real quick was that uh, Grandia One and Two is coming to the Switch in an HD remaster. I'm really pumped. No, I have played Grandia. I love Grandia. I have the second game. I don't think I played it though. I have not played the first, or I didn't beat the first. But I beat the second, and I really enjoyed it. So I think uh, when they come out for Switch, I'm going to pick it up. I think I have vague memories of this game. Did you play uh, play oh. any of those, say it left? I know Sage didn't play. The name sounds familiar, um, but I, I don't. I can't really recall exactly what it is, so well, probably not. I hope that the Switch and other systems keep on porting PS2 classic games and making them HD and able to play it. Also, man, bring over the fucking Seiken Densetsu collection. God damn it, that's frustrating. I want to play those games on my Switch. Ah! It's no. annoying. You know what? No. You can't. Oh, okay, well, never mind. That's it. Don't bring them over. End of discussion. Yeah, I, I have played a little Grandy. Not a lot, but I remember playing it a long time ago. I Just looking at some... Grandy. Little Grandy? Little, <laughs> little Grandy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the mobile title. It's a little grandy. L- little grandy. <laughs> this last topic I think will be interest to most of us here. But uh, so you guys must have heard about the major ROM sites being closed down, eh? Yes. What do you think uh, about that? Let's, let's get Seiji on this first because he's in the quietest. Seiji, what, what's your opinion on the on the ROM sites being, you know, cease and desist, shut down, closed up, sued, attacked by old Big N? Those kinds of things have always been in a sort of a gray area, right? Because yes. for a time, they were justified as game backups, right? So I yeah. understand that. Um, my engineering side um, sort of likes that um, attitude towards like hacking. I think there's a lot <laughs> to be learned. And if you get into that sort of community from a technical point of view, is very interesting uh, the creation of emulators and ripping off you know the roms and, and making them work and stuff like that is very very interesting now from a legal side and from a business side of point i also understand that it's their property and they can do what they wish um, like suing for their property and stuff like that that's completely understandable so i get this discussion or argument from both sides uh from a more practical side that stuff's never gonna die so uh i don't know it's it's stuff that happens but in in if you sort of remove a little bit from the temporal part of it i mean in the future some of this stuff is not going to be relevant if there's a good structure for 
that information to, to be existing and, and available. I think it's more positive than negative. And again, from a more, from a more, more practical side, there's a lot of games that I've, I would have never played if not for ROMs and emulators. And also from a, from a sort of a cynical business <laughs> point of view is like I have known and, and get to love certain series or companies or games because I try them just because I play them, you know, for free on a ROM. And then I, I just, I was like, oh, this is really, really good. And it influenced me either in my designs or in my purchasing decisions and stuff like that. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of arguments that go, that can be, you know, pros or cons and whatever, but my, I I don't have a particular position. I don't think. Interesting. Shelby. Um, well, I kind of the same thing as Seiji, where there's a lot of games that I probably wouldn't have played if not like it had it not been for ROMs and stuff. But another thing too is like accessibility. Um, if there are games that are really expensive that people are selling on eBay, and then that's like the only way I'll be able to play them legally, it's like, yeah. well, at that point, you know, how can I show the developers that I want them to port it over something else so I can buy it for a reasonable fucking price? Well, they're not going to notice, obviously, and they don't keep track of, like, people on eBay selling that shit. So it's like, how are they going to... They have no way to, to gauge, like, interest, I guess, in that respect. So it's like, you know, I, am I going to download it for free? <laughs> like, an SNES, SNES game for free? Like, I know the minis and stuff exist now, but before that, like, am I going to download this for free or am I going to, like pay all this money to go and find like a console that's in like you know decent fucking working condition and then also to buy a game off of the internet that i don't know what it's going to be like when it arrives like if it'll even fucking work or if it's just going to be some bullshit cartridge or or whatever right um mm -hmm. so there's also that um but yeah uh i mean i'm sad that they're gone but i can also kind of uh i guess understand because like also like Sage said like it's their it's their property so if they want to you know, sue over that, then that's uh, perfectly acceptable and, and reasonable. But I think one thing that they can get or learn from like the the emulators and, and all that junk is that is a way that they can track engaged interest because they see, oh, like all these people are downloading this game. Maybe we should bring this back. Maybe they'll port it. Who fucking knows? Uh, but I'm not going to give my money to something I don't trust, like some dude selling a game on, on, on eBay when I don't know for sure. So I would rather just like, you know, not take that chance and then instead get the game for free. But that, yeah. Huh. <laughs> so if Nintendo, because I, th I believe they're the ones that kind of are spearheading I think it's this. mostly Nintendo. If they, <clears throat> look, the minis are awesome, but they are not enough. 20 to 30, 20, 30 on NES and 20 on, on SNES is not enough. There's way, I mean, the Super Nintendo has a library of, uh, in the high 800s i'm pretty sure if not higher mm. and they have no plans to re-release the virtual console on switch i know they have talk of their 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 online service including some of those games but mm -hmm. unlike the wii which had an amazing virtual console and the 3ds which has a weaker but still functional virtual console mm -hmm. where you could pick up a lot of these titles for a reasonable price that's not going to be an option at least on switch which is their biggest console. Now, maybe they'll change their mind, and I think they should. Mm -hmm. But unless they plan on selling either compilation carts or, or, or making these more available on their, their store, I don't see why they bother. Like, they're not losing yeah. anything, and they're making it harder for people to play. I, I will buy a game digitally, even if I own it physically, 
Mm-hmm. If we're going to do something for the show or I want to play it, I'm happy to drop five to ten bucks and just buy the game and then play it on my modern console. Mm-hmm. But, they, but there's just not a lot of options. Like, uh, I want to play Metroid uh, Zero mm-hmm. or Metroid, uh, what's it called? Is it Metroid? It's not Metroid Zero. It's Metroid, uh, my brain is just killing me today. Uh, Zero Mission. There we go. Mm-hmm. It's not available on the eShop, unfortunately. And I own the game physically, mm-hmm. but I kind of really just played on my 3DS. And and I can't, which is annoying. Stuff like that. So you know, if I were a person who didn't own it, maybe I'd want to just download it and play it that way, and etc. Accessibility, man. Yeah, just, and fucking sorry, just the bullshit with you know Disney used to release like movies out of the vault is what they oh, call. Oh yeah, them. like every dumb. seven years, and they would do like the, a rerun where they would, you know. Uh, make a bunch of VHSs or DVDs again, and then you couldn't get them for another long fucking time. And people were just like, "This is stupid. Like, what is with this, like artificial scarcity? Like, it's so stupid." Yeah, and it just like makes that people people want that shit. And then, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I was just gonna say that there's um there's an argument to make for, and I don't want to defend piracy, but for example, Game of Thrones. It is, I think, known as the most pirated. TV show ever, mm-hmm. right? And part of it, part of it has to do with availability because it's not widely available in some countries. Like in Canada, it's, it, it's I think the only, the only way to watch that legally is to have HBO. And to have HBO, you have to contract cable, so you have to have TV and so on. So in the states, I think there's an app that you can download and you can pay a subscription. It's like twelve bucks a month or something like that, and you can just have access to HBO's content. But part of um, I think a big reason for Game of Thrones to be so popular is because it's so widely pirated. So if people go and buy the merch and go to conventions yeah. and it, it be and it's talked over and talked over and talk, like if if it was if it was only available through the legal means, I don't think it would be as popular as as it is. Now, in the case of video games, I understand what why they're doing it, but I would be very skeptical about how much it is hurting their bottom line. I think there's an argument to make that it's somehow helping them uh, more than it's, you know, damaging them. But again, yeah. might be an image thing, might be, uh, I don't know, some political thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's just in, the, in, the, in a case like this, like, yeah, piracy is a, is a testy topic because you're going to mm-hmm. have friends who, or people you know who just don't have the money they're yeah. not going to be able to buy it either way. At mm-hmm. least your game's being played. And you hope in an ideal world, if you have the money, you're just going to buy the game and not deal with, with that stuff. Which, which is I know a lot of people what do. happened to me. People will like buy games was, after the fact, I think. Like absolutely. after they played it for free, yeah. Yep. People will try it out. And I think most times if people have the money, they're just going to buy it because it's, it's easier and safer and all that stuff. But yeah. there are people who just can't, you know? And that and I understand that. So so then you're, so the argument there is you're not losing money. Now that's... That's an argument you can make and talk about during for stuff like modern stuff like uh, games coming out now, or, or example the Game of Thrones argument that Sage you made. But we're talking about games that you cannot buy because mm-hmm. they haven't been re-released mm-hmm. at all. They're, these games are over a decade. Some of them are super expensive. Like uh, for example, Tron Bone for PS One was crazy expensive until they put it on a virtual console for or the PSN network for PlayStation, uh, and that was years before that happened. And there was How a bunch of uh in the hundreds i'm pretty oh sure maybe even more see like and oh. yeah so it's if you're not a collector that's a, that's mm. just too much of an entry barrier you're not going to bother uh mm. and and i understand why you wouldn't they're all, like for example demon's crest is a game i'd love to own for the super nintendo 
as a collector, there's a chance I would pay for it. But in the if I wasn't, and even though I am, it's still such a hefty price two fifty for that two fifty. Yeah, and and like I don't really want to pay that. Does it come uh, with a dinosaur butler? Jesus fuck! It is a good game. Uh, my point being is these games are so old that you're not losing money because they're not making anything, especially if you don't have a virtual, a dedicated virtual console service. Mm-hmm. When they had the Wii, they they were putting a bunch of those games out, but that service is do- is done. That's two consoles old too, and they're not carrying it forward. Everybody wants it, so I don't understand why they don't. I really don't get it. I can't. Wrap, I guess that's what I'm trying to get back to is I can't wrap my head around Nintendo at all. I love Nintendo. Definitely one of my favorite companies. I love the games. I don't understand a lot of the decisions that they make or don't make in this case. Like what? Just people want virtual console. It's yet another reason. And now the Switch is, is a little powerhouse that could play everything up to GameCube. People would love to have that ability to play these portable or on their couch or what have you. And And they're not doing it. Instead, they give us a a online service without the the things that people want, like being able to send messages to your friends and and give you like some again, Super Mario 3. I love that game. One of the best games I've ever played. But how there's so many iterations of this game and and they just it's a bunch of NES titles again. Like I, I, I like the leaderboard thing. I, I like that part. But man, virtual console, people want it. I, I just I don't get it. So then you you shut the ROM sites down but aren't giving an alternative. I mean, unless they have a surprise for us where they show us that, hey, psych, we are doing a virtual console. We just call the name different, so we weren't lying. It's it's a, it's, it's classic corner. Come download your games. Then that's fine. I'll classic take everything back. CC, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm frustrated because, like, I'm happy to pay for these games for the convenience, but they're not making it convenient. And the only other convenience people have is, is wrong. By the way, them shutting these sites down will do nothing. People are still going to get them. They're going to fucking torrent them. pop up. Or another ROM site in a, in a country that doesn't have to obey these rules. So it's like, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, it's it's like, I don't, you have to go to, if they just sell this shit, you don't have to go to shady sites to download this stuff. You could just get it from the official source. They're not making it available. Yeah, but ah! no, matter, no matter how much you sue, like, if you want to get Super Mario World ROM, it, you're going to get you, it. You're going to get it. So, <laughs> it, I don't know. Yeah, it seems silly. And I don't. Emu Paradise didn't make money off of it either. They just threw them up there. I mean, maybe they had ads or something, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you didn't have to pay for the ROMs or anything. So I don't know. I mean, we've I've monopolized this. Left? Did you have any opinions on this? Um, I'm all for piracy. <laughs> um, you know, you guys are saying it's hard to defend piracy. I will defend piracy. I I've, <laughs> I've uh, pirated many games. I don't pirate as many games as I used to. Um, because I, I work a full-time job and I can afford the games I want to play. But back in the day when I, I did not, you know, have a great paying job, I, I did pirate a lot of games. And um, as, you know, just to kind of demonstrate what happened, once I got a job where I could afford these games, I actually bought them. Um, so it's not like I was just like, oh, I'm going to keep playing these pirated versions. Once, once I had the money, I did buy the games. But I'm all for pirating games. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, uh, I remember when I was a kid and you would go to like get a ROM and it would always be like, you have to either own this game or delete it after 24 hours. Like you got like a 24 hour rental for free with the ROMs. And I always thought that was hilarious. Cause I'm just like, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? Um, but no, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't care at all. And, and uh, I definitely don't think that, like you said, like, you know, shutting down, you know, every ROM site today is not going to stop this, 
you know, and no, they're going to, they're going to pop back up and, you know, it's not hard to bounce IP addresses off other places and make things untraceable. Like, you know, people, people know how to do that kind of stuff relatively easily. You're never going to stop it. Um, you may as well embrace it to the best extent. And, and the best way to combat it is to release them on your own virtual console for cheap. And then, and then that way you can, you know, pad your own pocket, and and that would that's the only way to stop a ROM site. Um, but but yeah, and, and and I think the best way with a lot of modern games is that like you know a lot of modern games they do updates and you know they need to connect to their their servers yeah. and, and things like that. So those types of games, there's no point to ever you know do that because you won't really be able to get a full experience. Um, so you know companies can do clever things in, in how they make their games to combat people pirating them. Um, but you know if you're just playing like a single player game, pirate the shit out of that game. <laughs> Counter counterpoint: If everyone pirated, then games couldn't be made. Like this, like I, I I get your your point of view, but like the whole like that's why I think there's a like a kind of pros and cons thing to piracy. Like in in an, in an unideal world, in a, in a in a dystopian game world, everybody's pirating shit, and no one's making games because they can't make money off of it. But I know that's not quite what you're saying because you also went on to say, of course, that you went and bought those games. I think if a person can't afford the game. If you're not going to buy those games, there's no way you can literally buy those games. That I, I, as a developer, I wouldn't care if you you pirated, because like you said, uh, when they have money, they're probably going to be like, "Man, I love this game. I want to give them some money, so I'll buy the game now." Yeah, but for every argument, there's also like a counter argument. Because let's say that you do have the money to spend on on games, but again, unless you have unlimited budget, you are only going to spend so much money, and you're going to spend it on the stuff that you know you like. This is the world we live in, right? Um, yeah, but the fact that you have access to to ROMs and and pirate games can open the possibility for you to get to know a certain game, get to love it, and then potentially, like in the case of the Switch, which is a sort of a nostalgia driven machine, um, mm. you're seeing there, there's a sequel to a like 30 year old game, and instead of like going to find like an old console and the game and all this stuff, you just go download the ROM, maybe you like it, maybe you're not, and then it'll make you want to spend uh, more money or replace some, I mean, you know, rework your budget so that you can integrate stuff that, that is new. So mm-hmm. it, there's always all these arguments, right? Like that, That's why I, I feel like the pra- in, a practic- in a more practical sense, it's, it's kind of pointless. Uh, mm-hmm. They should yeah. do what uh, Dragon Ball Fighters did, or is doing. Uh, you get the uh, Super Butoden for uh, Super Nintendo as a as a pre-order bonus on your Switch. So when you uh, get that copy, cool. you'll be able to. So you know if if they had released these, if they started bundling raw or downloadable versions of old games with sequels, that would be cool. I would be less annoyed by that. But there won't. So should we move on to the topic? Anybody wait, have anything wait, wait. else to say before? Nope. Yep. <laughs> yes. Oh, I guess there's two things. All right, sorry. There's there's. Uh... There's one thing you requested on the previous episode. Oh, yeah. So I was hard at at work (laughs) with with data, and um, I have a bunch of stats. I I think there's too many to go over them, but if you want to know anything, I can try to answer it if you you guys have specific questions. And also, I I have a lot of graphs and stuff like that. So if you want to check (laughs) the... They're on the scheduling spreadsheet you want to check, but... If, if you have a specific right. questions, like on, I think in the pre- previous episode you had some. I don't know if you want to go over that. I, if I remember correctly, I asked what who I wanted to know who like what generation uh, we 
would represent the most. Like who picked for doing games that we've damaged, who's picked the most like Game Boy games or who's picked the most. I, I think that was what I was asking last time. Uh, yes. So we have damaged so far, I think 60 games. Yeah. So we have amount of games officially. Yeah. 60. And from those 60 games, um, you have picked, I mean, by you, I mean, Rob has picked 49% yeah. of them, which is 29 then Shelby, picked... you huh? picked forty. Holy shit! <laughs> Rob picked a half of the game. Wow! Okay. Um, wow! Lev has picked uh, eight percent, eight point four percent, which is five games. Holy shit! And, only five. and surprisingly, Shelby and I have picked the same amount, which is eleven games, which represents eighteen point sixty four percent. Holy. Um, to be fair, though, I'm on more episodes than you guys, so I, that might skew it. If, if you guys I want think to open you also the... pick like Halloween episodes or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true too. The themed ones I usually. Yeah. I might, I might have them wrong, but if you guys want to open the the scheduling spreadsheet, um, um, th there's graphs in there, but if not, that's okay. Uh, for, in terms of generations, um, this is this was surprising to me. We skew more modern games like a lot. Most of the games, 32% of them actually, which is 18 games, have been from the 8th generation. So that's like after 2013 or 2013. Oh, um, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, and then the next there's a tie for second place, which is four, uh, which eight games, which represent 14.29% um, from the 7th generation, from the 4th generation, and from the 3rd generation. And then... Um, the rest of them are pretty equal. So if you see the graph, it like goes up over time. So Whiskey Modern, that's that's interesting. I guess I guess like a lot of games that come out we want to play and talk about them, right? So maybe that's mm -hmm. maybe that's why there's more modern ones. Uh another thing that is interesting about that is that Oh, oh you know what? Sorry, just to tie it back to like ROMs and shit, but maybe also we pick more modern games because they're more like accessible. Correct. Yeah, because if you every every time we pick like an old, you know, obscure third generation game or second generation games, probably we probably you know, we're using <laughs> um, non legal ways to. We were sampling them. Exactly. <laughs> sampling. I, I can't remember them. who came up with that term, but jo thank you. Jordan says it all the time. Okay. Yeah. these crazy grab man people you listeners i'm sorry because podcasts aren't a visual medium but seiji does insane <laughs> stuff with graphs yep toys um, that's so funny jesus <laughs> where are you in the, the stats okay are you in the, yeah, in the stats open in, in the stats um mm, shit you need the to add that... music to this section so it's not boring for listeners anyway um <laughs> we skew also <laughs> japan a lot uh, fifty-five point ninety-three percent is Japanese games. That's a lot. And what? then, yeah. And then another thing that is surprising, that was surprising for me, is 61 percent of our games are multiplex. Um, oh, also, I had a. Who's our favorite developer? And I, 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 I thought for sure it was gonna be Nintendo, right? But it's not. Yeah. It's actually Sega. <laughs> oh, what? What? Really? How? Yeah. How? Where I don't know. That at? It's <laughs> in 
under death. Is Sega. that because it's the amount of games or the damage? We have five games. No, we have five games that are from oh, Sega and four from Nintendo. So Sega wins with okay. 8.7%. Oh, that's all Rob in his early like fantasy zone. and He was on a big <laughs> Sega kick at the beginning of... Uh, no, those are just games I like, so I picked them. Fantasy Zone and, and, and Space Harrier are incredible games. And then we also had uh, the Disney. Oh, Disney wouldn't have been. I don't know what the other ones were. I can't remember what the other other Sega games would have been. Look, Sega, it doesn't mean Genesis. I mean, Sega makes a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. yeah really it, cool. But uh, Left's probably right. Yes. Just thinking about that, we have early on uh, Bayonetta. It's, it's a Sega game. I oh, think. yeah. Oh wait, buddy! I'm not counting it as a Sega game. I'm counting that as a Platinum game, so that doesn't really count. Uh, Space Harrier. There's Fantasy Zone. Yeah. Land of Illusion. That was left. I did not select Land of Illusion. That was me. I hated that game. No, that was like one of my least. No, no. I'm looking at the list, but I really only did like I did. I did Batman the last week episode. Doki Doki Literature Club. I think was my suggestion as well. Total oh, War, boy. So total, if I t- Total War, Dark Souls, and Ninja Gaiden. So look, looks what what's gonna happen if I move, I put uh, this under Rob. Now the stats should update. All right, half the games are my games. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and now, yeah, yeah fifty point eighty five percent are your games. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Good. Oh, uh, that's cool. That's cool. I got more games to pick too. <laughs> Well, there, there's a lot of uh, of stats in here. I don't know if you're looking at them. Oh, uh, I have it up, yeah. Um, sure, listeners don't care as much. However, well, maybe you never know. I know I'll, P2 would care. I also have <laughs> stats per person. Yeah, I see that. And I have graphs What's in there. That's pretty cool. Oh, there we go. Generation of games. So yeah. my highest generation is a fourth generation, which would be what era is that? Super Nintendo. Genesis. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Look at me picking the, the from that generation the most. Left your generation. Oh, Left's is the third, with because he's only <laughs> because I did you got into Batman really. <laughs> <laughs> let you pick like the next six games in a row or something. Oh, yeah, gotta pad these numbers. Yeah, yeah, man, you get those left stats up. If we had baseball cards, like all the kids who are collecting left cards, be like, man, the left card stats up. <laughs> At, at picking games, maybe. At picking games, yeah. He's not allowed to because the Rob card's an asshole. <laughs> this was surprising to me. I pick mostly newer games. Yeah, I was 60, just looking at that. 63% of my games are 8 generation. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Then I have breakdown per year also. The graph is pretty cool. I mean, it's just spread out differently. <laughs> um, if you if you guys look at the, in the genre graphs, those are pretty interesting to look at. If you, if you can go there. They're the, the pie charts. Look at Holy shit! <laughs> has three colors on it. I don't know. On what? Uh, scroll down. The pie charts. One RTS and two platformers, one action adventure. And that represents Damn. your... your <laughs> 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 oh, God. Yeah. Uh, action, action adventure and platformer are my two highest. Whatever. I'm the only person who has ever suggested we play an RTS, so that goes to show something. I, I, I that, is think. True. that is true. 
Yeah. You're a niche host, man. You're the only one who represents our friends' likes, like Tony and, and Sunday. <laughs> <Day>. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to see our, our choices. You know, like we've been doing this for three years now, and we, I guess we have skews. Mm-hmm. It's cool. That's pretty interesting. And then if you go to the all, the the sheet that is called all, I ha- I put I put a graph in there too. That is interesting. It's about the length of our episodes. That doesn't have to do anything with you know, <laughs> genres and stuff like that. But I was curious see, to we, see uh, what was our longest episode. Only, huh? This might be the only podcast that has this type of insane stats done by one of their hosts. <laughs> Third, so our highest, our longest episode is two hours and what, 10 minutes or something? And that's the Final Fantasy VI episode? Two hours oh, really? and one minute. Yeah. Our that's longest our... episode. Huh. We had a guest on for that too. It beat the E3 episode. I'm kind of surprised. It beat the top 100 episodes. Those were really long, weren't they? I guess, but if you combine them, then they would. Yeah, obviously. And finally, That's... I mean, you can you, you can guys go over this, but I added another sheet called Time Map, and what? Um, that's a pretty interesting graph. If I can't look, tell what it is. It's just a yeah. bunch of blue lines. Exactly. So each line <laughs> is, is an episode, and the gaps between the lines is the amount of days between each episode. So oh, we've been, wow. it's been pretty even, but if you look at the very beginning, it's, the, the lines are really, <laughs> yeah. really close because we were releasing two episodes a week. <laughs> and then, And then it's been, it's been pretty good, except for this gap here us. in the beginning of this year. This is what you do for. This is why you don't play a lot of games as much because you're doing stuff like this. This is insanity. Yeah, maybe. You're a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it though. It's really cool. All right. Oh. All right. Up next topic. After much deliberation, we decided to, to keep going with this episode. It's already long, but that's how we roll. Yeah. All right. So this is our annual. It's now annual. I mean, it's always been annual, but now we're officially making an annual. Mm-hmm. Uh, our topic that we've done before, which is here's why you should play, or as other might call it, like a video game show and tell. Mm-hmm. So part basically, four. we try to yes, part four. We try to we try to try to coerce you into playing these games that we like. That we haven't really talked about on the show uh, in any sort of depth. As a matter, so we've done the the first episode about this was let's 11. see, we did episode, episode eleven. Eleven. Wow. What games did we do on it? We did Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. Yeah. Fatal left. Frame Project Zero. That was Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. Drill Drozer. That was me. And Tecmo Cup, otherwise known as Captain Tsubasa. That was Seiji. The next one was. BB sixty six and sixty six. Yeah, sixty six. And we had their robot alchemic drive. That was me, yeah. Twinkle Star Sprites. And that was you. Brutal Legends. That became an episode. That became Brutal an episode. Legend. And Brutal Legends. Yeah. Brutal nice. Legends, that was mine, yeah. Yeah. And last year's one fifty seven was Mountain Blade, Tales <laughs> of Symphonia and Gurumin. Gurumin. Yeah. Monstrous Adventure. Me. That's, That's it. Great. Awesome. 
There we go. So, that, so hey, hey, listeners out there, have you guys played any of those games? If so, let us know. All right, so let's kick this things off. I'm going to choose a stall for the Sega Saturn. Uh, a stall is a 2D side-scrolling game from Saturn, released in Japan in April 1995 uh, in September of the same year in North America. It was developed by Sega as well. And you take the role of the uh, of Astal, a weird-looking mouse man, maybe, person? <laughs> Not really sure. He's like a cross between a Super Saiyan 3 and a tomato and, a, and Popeye. Like, he has <laughs> these really weird, big <laughs> forearms. Because if you look at him, you'll see the, you'll see where I get that, that okay. from. Uh, and, you know, he uses his arm to grab and throw at enemies. Um, so that's what it is. But why do I like it? And I wrote this in bold. And why should you play it? So I made bullet point. This game screams 90s. So, like, if you take a moment, listener, to watch, you can pause the episode if you want. Watch the opening animation on YouTube. It's like, I don't know. I wonder if it's the same animation team that did the Sonic CD opening because it's, it's insane. It's awesome. The animation's really cool. Uh, it's really fun. It's super 90s. Like, like and the North American version did, had the lyrics cut out because we couldn't handle Japanese at the time. But um, the Japanese the Japanese version has lyrics in it. But it's like, this is over the top, crazy, insane. Like, it's hard to describe. But if you, you watch, you'll understand that style of animation and that, that type of video. It's, it's very, very common back then to get you pumped for the game. Uh, and I really... I really like that. It, it puts me in the mood. It makes me think of Lunar, which of course is also released in the Sega Saturn. Uh, that kind of opening. It's just, it's awesome. Uh, and the game's really fun. So, uh, you you know, you grab enemies and objects and you throw them. Uh, platforming, enemy variation, boss levels. Uh, it's a good platforming fun for everyone. So I, I grabbed from Wiki, as its memory is better than mine, uh, just to give you an idea of how you play. So the player controls a stall through a side-scrolling world. Astal's primary mode attacking is using the B button uh, pressed without direction or with the left or right held down. He'll grab and throw enemies or objects over his shoulder. Or if he presses down, he'll do like a ground punch, stunning enemies. If you press while jumping, uh, he'll punch down with both fists. The B button is used to lift certain pieces of scenery, such as trees or boulders, and throw them. Uh, and his final method of attack is uh, blowing, which you can like inhale, then blow it like blasts of wind. You also have a bird AI partner that will do certain things like give you health packs or attack the enemies, etc. So you kind of have that going on. And there's a two-player co-op mode that I've never played, but uh, they can take control of the bird that you're playing. So if you have a friend, let's call her Jordan, who loves birds, they'd probably want to play second player. Uh, a few more things. Fun graphics, bright, colorful, and taking place in this unique setting. Everything is made out of crystals and gems, uh, and the game design reflects that. So this, this kind of predates Steven Universe a little bit. Uh, but everything is all all crystally based. It's really bright and colorful, uh, and I, I I see it as a hidden gem, at least in my like in my opinion. It's hard to say. I'm not sure of how many people have played it. Uh, but that being said, it's not really all that expensive. It's not too hard to find. I think it was a launch title. Uh, it wasn't like crazy popular, so maybe it it maybe not a lot of people played it, but they should try it out. Uh, I got a few more. It's a bit of an oddity. Its case has no spine text. So it's just a weird blank white. I, I don't know why, but for some reason they didn't print. Every other Sega Saturn game has the, the, the logo printed on it, but it doesn't. So it's kind of weird. Um, there's also some differences from the NA version. Usually when they bring a game over here, they make it easier. However, uh, in the Japanese version, he has more life points and unlimited continues. 
But in the North American version, he has three lives and, and one continue. That's really, really strange and not a great decision. However, uh, I'll come back to that because there, there is a workaround. Uh, the music is fun and the sound is the best. And I, and I use that uh, ironically. So the so music is good. It's your 90s game anime background music. If you like that time frame of games and stuff, you're going to like this. Uh, but the voice acting is awful. Uh, and there's this one clip that, that, that goes something like, this goblin comes by and he's like, if you want to save the bird. You'll have to go by me first. Get out of the way. If you're here to steal the bird, you have to get by me first. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, really bad voice acting. So kind of like your Resident Evil era bad voice acting, your Star <laughs> Ocean 2 voice acting. I love that personally. Uh, and finally, it's challenging, but relatively reasonable. So it is hard uh, as you go through the game. I was, I, so the workaround to that is if you plug a second controller into it, you can just input a password, and then you can level select, which is the way I, I wound up beating it. But it took me a few weeks to get my controller in because I, I had just got a Saturn at the time and only had the one controller. So I got through about 80% of the game before I finally, like, I couldn't get any farther because I kept dying. But uh, so like any of those old games, you start getting used to it. I have no idea why the North American version did that. But just it's really easy to work around it, so I wouldn't really hold it against the game. Just just plug in an extra controller or play an emulator, and you're good. I mean, don't play emulators because you won't be able to download the ROM. <laughs> yeah, All right, and that is now. yeah, now you're fucked. And that's the stall. Damn. Uh, uh, left. When do you go next? Okay. Um. So I picked uh, Harvest Moon '64. I uh, absolutely loved Harvest Moon 64. Uh, it's a great game. I, I did play the Super Nintendo version first, but I never really got into it. And then one day my brother came home when we were young and he's like, hey, I got this farming simulator game. Did you want to try? I'm like, that sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> um, so I didn't play it, but then he played it and I watched him. And the first thing that really takes you is, is the graphics. It's a very charming looking game. And I think one thing with the N64 and, and the PlayStation era of games, we, we mentioned it before, and, and Sage and I talked about this the other day, how, you know, it's like the puberty of gaming, how everything looks really <laughs> on, on that generation. Um, but Harvest Moon 64 looks pretty good for even for today's standards. It does not have that same, you know outdated look that a lot of the, the that generation of games had so immediately it's very charming in its appearance um the game itself is pretty pretty monotonous you know it's a farming simulator and that's pretty much what you do but it's very cartoony at the same time um so you kind of you go around you go to the town you meet the townspeople um you also have your farm and you go ahead you plant your farm you put your farm your your plants your crops that's the word i'm looking for your crops into your bin and then some guy shows up like once a week and then you get money on it um and then you just keep building on your farm and, and the game has a good progression to it which is what i like so much so there's a lot of there's a person who can who builds upon who puts additions onto your house and you can build new things for your barn and those are kind of feel like the checkpoints in the game so you're always trying to striving to get the next addition to your house or barn and then i think one of the last things you build is the the greenhouse where you can just because it's all seasonal based game too so you can only plant certain crops in your the four seasons and then when winter comes you struggle because you can't plant crops but then once you get the greenhouse it's like easy mode um <laughs> but that's near the end of the game anyways um 
it was the first dating sim game I ever played because oh. you, you marry someone and then you actually have a child. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> and I always would marry the same one. Her name was Anne. She worked yeah. at the ranch right next door. Um, what did you love about her, Lef? <laughs> uh, her red hair. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> um, so I really liked Harvest Moon. I thought it was a great game. It holds up really well today as well. It's just kind of why... I think it's so good. Um, it's I don't think it's a very common game. Um, I remember even when I was a kid, this was the first game that anyone ever told me, hey, that's a rare game. Um, apparently, Harvest Moon 64 did not have a huge production run. Um, and I apparently, and I was just looking things up before the episode, Harvest Moon itself is a series. It's dead. Um, it has moved on to Story of Seasons yeah, is what it's, it's called now. And right. those look like shit now, too. Like after oh, really? Animal Parade, it just kind of all went downhill. Wait, from there. wasn't there a Harvest Moon that just came out for uh, Switch? Like, actually called Harvest Moon? I'm not sure, because like, from what I was reading, it just says that, you know, because it was like two companies. It was like Natsumi and... Natsumi, yeah. Um, and what was the other company? I forget. I, know I was sure. But I heard that like there was like some sort of like, hey, we're pulling out, so we're not doing Harvest Moon anymore. So then Natsume had to start just making story of seasons now. Um that that was what I read. I don't I don't fucking know. This is what Wikipedia was telling me um in the five minutes of research I did. Um, the new Harvest Moon, I think that also that one also kind of looks like shit because I think it's it like does look like now. shit. It's is it the TV I, one? Yeah, I, I have yeah. a friend who loves the series and he bought it. And and I was looking at it, and it looks. No offense to developers, but it looks awful. Yeah, uh, at awful. least not my, not to me. I I don't know. It, it is like two D, but not charming two D like Stardew Valley, but like kind of ugly two D. I I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, Harvest Moon sixty four potentially the best of the Harvest Moon games. Um, nice. I, I think it's amazing. I mean, I haven't so played all. We should play it. it. It's really, really good. Um, it's got a lot going for it. There's also like a dungeon sort of thing. Not really. It's more of like a cave you explore and you fight bugs with your <laughs> with your. I usually beat them up with my hoe. Um, Wait, you can. So... <laughs> Wait, the the tool, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Come on, Rob. Come on. Wow. Um, Lowbrow humor. Wow. I apologize. <laughs> edit it out. Edit it out. <laughs> No, I'm going to leave it in. You're going to have to deal with this for the rest of All right, we'll add a laugh track then because it was hilarious. I mean, Sage, you laugh, so I feel like it's okay. I, I wanted to uh, mention that. So, so in the first Harvest Moon, or sorry, Harvest Moon 64, you can fight in it? Because I knew like, Rune Factory was a fantasy spinoff. I played that one. You know, it, fighting is an extremely loose term in Harvest Moon 64. So eventually you get to go to the cave. Um, Fighting yourself. Yeah, basically. And there's things that could, like, potentially, like, you know, you don't have, like, life or anything, but your character does have, like, a stamina that Mm -hmm. you don't see. There's no stamina meter. You just, your guy eventually will start, like, passing out. um, So you'll just need to know you need to get back home. Um, So if you do, like, you know, get bit by too many bugs, your stamina goes and you just pass out in the cave and then the mayor probably rescues you or some shit like that. I don't quite recall. The mayor personally comes down himself (laughs) to rescue some nobody in a cave. It's a yeah. small town, and there's literally one farm there, and I'm pretty sure it's an important part of the damn town. So if you weren't there maintaining the farm, the whole town the mayor, collapse. He comes in on a white horse. The mayor's all buff. <laughs> this is why they voted for me. Oh, God. I don't awesome. remember if it was really the mayor. That was just uh, potentially. Sometimes, 
if you were trying to uh in those games when that would happen if you were trying to date the doctor and the, the doctor like depending if it was anyway uh he would get pissed at you and be and then yeah. you're yeah and then you wouldn't well not uh, you wouldn't be able to date him but it's just he wouldn't treat you anymore either he'd let you die <laughs> i'm not sure if there was a doctor in 64 probably not 64 uh, i thought i remember um but yeah it's good it actually holds up pretty well which a lot of n64 games don't um and uh i don't know if you could ever get your goddamn hands on this game uh but i'm sure roms are uh, still yeah, gonna roms. be a thing in the next couple months yep. right so gone. Um, find it gone find awesome. it <laughs> play the game that was a good recommendation hey sagey why don't you go next sure so i want to talk about a specific game in the warioware series you know how oh, in yeah. warioware they're based on specifically the early ones or the earlier ones I haven't played the newer ones, but um, they're based on micro games, right? So you, it's basically like a bunch of like a session would be you you will be playing a sequence of of micro games. In 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 these games, sometimes it's just you know a tap or pressing a button on time and stuff like that. So it's very simple, and the the art style sometimes is is very different from one from another, and it's very nonsensical and stuff like that. And a lot of it looks and feels you know kind of like hand-drawn or hand-drawn and 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 not like super super polished but um anyway the game that i want to talk about is warioware diy or warioware do it yourself and this is a very interesting entry in the series because it's main like the premise of the game is that you make the games yourself and that may sound not as appealing to, to some players but the implementation of this is is very similar to other Nintendo games that let you create your own content. And in, in most of these games like Mario Maker or Mario Paint or games like this, um, the, inter the interface and the way you do stuff is very interesting and you can get really into the process of making games. Oh, I mean, of, of making content. But in in this specific one, what I find fascinating is that it resembles, it's like it's, it's a good representation of the different disciplines in, in game making. The tutorial um, of this game is really interesting because it has levels. So in each level they teach you by doing a certain aspect, like creating a sprite, and like you can create specific frames of animation, you can create your own animations, you can make them uh, move around the screen. There, there's the logic behind it is really interesting because you you sort of create your own logic it's like programming but it's very visual and it the terms that it that it uses to describe some of these things uh they explain it as if it was like a play and they, you have actors and you have a scene and sometimes those are the same terms that we use when making games but it feels really natural and in the in the end when you make your own game it really feels like you put all those things together um, and the way they frame it is really interesting because they have this machine that it's a fictional machine it's called a super maker matic 21 and it's really cool because in the end you make you know you make your project and you make your game and then in the end when you you have to like print it on a cartridge and it will spit out like a cartridge and then you have like a like a store in the game and you put your cartridge like in the shelves of that store and then you can go and 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 to play the game, you actually like pick those uh, cartridges, and they look like Famicom cartridges. You know, they're like little like short rectangles, and they have like bright colors. And then you can make the label and stuff like that. 
I think it also lets you make music records and comic books with in all using the same sort of a platform for creating content and and you put and you have like a record store you have a comic book store and you have a in your game store so i i haven't heard this about this game too much maybe it's because it's a content making game and is those are not super popular but in and this is the part where i i guess i should say why you should play it i think it's really good for for kids that are, that are interested in the process of of game making it's it's also good for players that you know have you know creative urges and in general if you are interested in 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 a game that has really interesting uh ui ux that have a, a very polished experience in terms of 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 how to teach really, really complex processes and in it i don't know if if it's for for everyone but it's definitely for you know those curious minds and and also for for fans of the of the series i i would say not overlook this one even though you might not get the same experience um it is it is within the universe of warrior really interesting and i would recommend it you know to all those people that are interested in game making yeah. oh didn't mention this yeah. this this is for the nintendo ds Woo! i oh, played oh, one okay. of them for sorry i just want to say i played one sorry. of the warrior games for gamecube and it was really fun the the micro games like i never thought mini games were were too long but apparently they are <laughs> yeah I yeah. I played Twisted on uh, the DS or Game Boy Advance. Maybe it was Game Boy Advance actually. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I played that one, and I also was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this because many, many games are like the concept seemed odd to me on paper. But actually, after playing it, because my first experience of a Warrior War was actually through Smash, <laughs> those Smash stages where you had to oh, like, yeah, yeah. stand still and don't get rained on, that kind of stuff. After playing it, though, I get it. So they're they're pretty fun games. So if you haven't played a Warrior, I, I'll I will backstage you up and say try that one out. Yeah, and and um, just some extra thing that uh, came to mind is that um, you can share your games. There's well, back in the game you could because you could distribute through the uh, the network. I think Nintendo Network or I don't remember what what was the name. And also they had like like a spotlight each month or something like that, and you would get games made by actual developers i think i played one from uh masahiro sakurai the guy from smash and it was like the art was really cool the the and the game was something like i don't like a vampire or something like that you you only you just had to like tap the screen on time i think but it was really interesting still to to play something directly that that you know a developer made so it was pretty cool it's awesome shelby take us home Okay. Woo. So the game that I picked is Super Scribble Knots oh. for the DS. Nice. Uh, you should go play it. Okay. That's, that's the no, episode kidding. today. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I picked this one because like, I was thinking about picking the first one, uh, but then I thought about the, the second one had a lot of, I guess, like improvements. The first one is still kind of limited in that, like, I guess some of the assets that you would would pick, a lot of them are as kind of bundled together. So, like, anyway, uh, so the the point of this of, of this game is that there are levels, and then you um, at the end there's an objective, which is usually like I think I can't remember what the fuck it's called. It's a little star thing, but you have to get that to solve the level. And each level usually has like a title that kind of hints to what you should do to to solve it i guess but basically you're you're dropped in this level there are like obstacles and stuff that you have to 
uh, get through. And the way you do that is um, you have this little notebook and you write down a certain like word or whatever. And then once you do that, it spawns like in the world. So you use those things to um, uh, to get to that little star thing and, and finish the level. But I like Super Scribble Knots because um, I think the vocabulary, because you can, you can like, it's, ridiculous like how many how many different words that they have in this how many freaking art assets there are are in this game um and just i I, i'd like to think about like all the people who worked on it and how much they probably would have wanted to like shoot the brains out because just of how much crap went into it but yeah like this game is a lot less like limited i guess in that you could you have adjectives now so like let's say if you wanted to spawn like a cat because you needed a cat for a level uh but it wasn't the right size so you could spawn like big cat and the big cat would show up oh yeah you can make like robot versions of things i guess and they would last longer so they wouldn't get killed also if you kill anybody in that game uh or in the levels by accident you have to start over i think because they wanted (laughs) to make it like very like uh g-rated so a lot of times if you try to spawn like uh bad words they would give you like something else like one of the ones that I remember especially was like if you tried to say like ass or something, uh, it would give you a donkey <laughs> instead. Uh, so just like little creative ways that they tried to get around that. Um, Did was you try cool. other words? What? Did you try other bad words? Mm, no, not really. I don't remember Aww. exactly. But I mean, it's a really, it's a really, really cute game. Like the styles, are kind of adorable. Everyone looks a bit like a like a puppet, I guess, if that makes sense. Like um, like the things that you can spawn. Um, I do remember always trying to like in in every level, no matter what, just trying to make like a giant robot T-Rex fight a giant robot shark. Uh, And they would show up like uh, some of the stuff you're like, there's no way that if I type this in and try to spawn it, that it's going to spawn. And then it would like it was bananas. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I it guess what's manners. yeah, and I guess what's cool about it is like there's not just one specific way to solve something. Like it really lets you be creative. So if you want to try solving a, a level a different way, uh, you you definitely can. So it's really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good choices. Oh, it's side scroll, by the way. I should say that. Yeah, it's like a puzzle side scroll. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Awesome. So listeners out there, let us know if you've a played these. B, are tempted to play these based off of our talking about them, or C, will play them because you've talked to us. So do that, and yeah, let us know, because that'd be pretty cool. And yeah, so I guess that's it. Long up. Like always, that's how we roll. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, This is Rob. Shelby. Laugh. And Seiji. Peace out. 